This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Are you ready? Sure. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, standing center stage, your host of the Full Blast Podcast, Jeff Holy cow. <laughs> Chris Cash is in the house, and holy mackerel, that almost blew my brains out. I had to take my earphones off of that was one. Was that good? That was, was amazing. That <laughs> We should clarify something because people call you Fetter. Right. People call you Fader. Right. And then everybody asks me, how do you say Jeff's last name? Or yeah. they actually, they don't, sometimes they don't even call you Jeff. <laughs> they say G-Off. Yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> unfortunate. That's an unfortunate situation. You remember the first thing I asked you when we met? I said, why, why, why is your name spelled like that? And you said, my fucking dad. Yeah. Well, you know, it's weird. My, you know, my dad is from the Bronx and, um, he, when, I guess when my, when I was, when I was to be born, he wanted, he, my mother wanted me to be Benjamin Jr. So his name is Ben Fader. So I was going to be either Benji or something like that. And he, the problem is, is in the Jewish religion, you're not supposed to name someone after someone who's alive. So he couldn't name himself. You know, that's why in, in the Jewish religion, you don't have people be the first, the second, the third. Usually it's, it's um, you know you're named after a grandparent or some someone who passed away. It's bad. I was not aware of that. Yeah, so he she wanted me to be Benjamin Junior, and he's like, we're not going to do that because that's problematic. So, I guess when she had given birth to me and she was totally you know out of it, she said, uh, my dad said, I got a great idea. We're going to name him Jeffrey, but we're going to spell it like the English way. And I apparently from what my mother says, she says I was so doped up, I was just like, yeah, but we're not English. And he's like, nah, don't worry about it. And then he signed all the paperwork <laughs> to be Jeffrey Fader, Jeffrey William Fader. My middle name is after my my his father who had passed right. away so it's the most like it's the most english sounding name for uh, a uh, you know jewish kid from the upper east side so jeff yeah. and Peter, i had no you know look what can you do you, you can't you can only i mean i I'm, i can't have a wonderful name i mean chris cash might be one of the greatest names of all time p.s <laughs> you know so i'm like i'm not really <laughs> this isn't really something that i'm yeah. proud of you know? no it's a good name it's unique the spelling like when before i knew you knew you yeah. i was like is everybody calling this guy jeff and his name's not really jeff it's like g off or something you know uh, uh, steve schwarzer calls me g off does I mean, he pe- some people think well, some people no. think that's the correct pronunciation steve pretty much call you whatever he wants right? you can call me whatever he wants and i don't and i don't really i don't necessarily feel the need to uh to correct anybody you know whatever and people right. say fetter so it doesn't yep. really, i don't give a fuck honestly right. it's like you know it honestly doesn't matter i when i was growing up there was a lot of darth vader jokes but other than that it's like fine i can live with it it's not the worst thing you want the worst thing in the world oh that never even really crossed my mind actually. yeah no no well i mean i was born in 73 star wars yeah. comes out with 79 and then you're in first through third grade and all of a sudden it's like hey darth vader's here darth and it's vader. just like fine fine <laughs> where does the name where do you get a name like chris cash what do you where's the cash family you're not related to like johnny cash are you are you ready i'm ready 100 percent all my family's still in Texas, 100%. You're telling me yep. that you're related to Johnny Cash? Yep. How? You got it. 
my oh man i'm not going to know the exact lineage but it's somewhere along the lines of my great great grandfather and his dad were brothers something along the, those lines so 100% direct like you know descended down the line of yes johnny cash in the cash family and they all had boys so the name could be passed along 100 percent, almost all boys yeah <laughs> you know what a lot of people don't know about the cashes too because johnny johnny cash obviously made the name famous right was that the the cash family actually started in uh tennessee you know, I'm not, I'm not going back super far, but, you know, when the United States, because obviously uh, over Europe, the name would have been brought over and then changed along, you know, yada, yada, yada. But the caches actually started in Tennessee, and there was a – I have an I have an aunt that's, like, so into this stuff. She, she, knows, she knows everything about our lineage and the family history and everything, and she, she gave me a packet of uh you know since the beginning of time pretty much how the how the right. caches and uh the caches were in tennessee and they had a hatfield and mccoy style battle with another family and actually got pushed out of tennessee into texas and it was like you're gonna you're gonna get out of our state or we're gonna kill you one of those kinds of things really yeah, and that's how the Cashes ended up in Texas, and that's how Johnny Cash made, you know, Texas and the Man in Black and all that stuff famous was, like, their family basically got pushed into Texas from from a, uh, you know, family-on-family war that was taking place in Tennessee. And then your branch, that family, also went that way. Yeah. Yep. So, you, so. that that's crazy. Did you have any connection to any of his other relatives, or? Uh, not at all. Nope, not at all. Were there a lot of are there a lot of caches there's, from that there's branch? There's a lot. Of... There's a lot of caches. Yep. So some caches did a lot of fucking. Yep. Yep. Look at you. Not me. I don't have any kids. All right. There you go. There you go. Well, it, it's. I mean, I just as soon as I was just like, I thought I was like, well, I'm gonna talk to Chris. I'm gonna talk about his last name. I'm just like, yeah. Oh, there's just no, no way. There's a, no way. No, it's a 100% true thing. I mean, it's not like you know, it's one of those names that people associate with, like you know, one of the first questions. You know, it, it's like you with the Darth Vader thing. I've heard, oh, are you related to Johnny Cash since I was like ten years old, and it's like, yeah, what am I, what am I gonna say? I say yeah, and they, you know, they laugh it off like, oh, that's cool, and you know, like they don't believe me or something. But it's not even that. It's not even that big of a deal. It's like not even a thing. We have no. Uh, there was no relationship between that side and you know the side that. My dad was a part of. It wasn't like a, you know, he didn't directly know Johnny Cash or anything like that. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's 100 percent uh, related to the Cashers, and all, all, all of my family is still down there. I'm the only one that like made it out of the state, actually. When did you leave Texas? Oh, I was. Well, my childhood was kind of. It was very different because it was military, right? My dad was my dad was in the Navy. Uh, he got in the Navy when he was 18 years old, and um, I was only in Texas for maybe two years. I was born in Seattle, and because um, my dad, as soon as he got in the military, he went everywhere. Right. We went everywhere. We lived in, you know, 36 states and seven countries before I was 18 years old. So what is that like? It sucked. It Why? really sucked. What, I mean, tell me, I mean, what was Ch- that? Childhood was a, my childhood was like a blur, man. It was a blur. It was, uh, 
you know, I say I was born in Seattle, Washington, but I couldn't even tell you like anything about it because it was like, you know, for one, I was an infant and then like we left instantly, like wherever, uh, he was getting deployed, you know, we had to be at that base and anybody that says like the army brat, you know, thing is like a, it's a very common misconception because it, it sucks growing up military, man. Did you live in a barracks or something? Yeah, we were on bases. We were on barracks. Um, we were on, we were in government housing. Um, you know, my, my mom and dad actually split up when I was 10 and we lived in Hawaii at the time and my mom remarried and the guy she remarried, uh, he had a, he had a job in the government, uh, with the military that required us to, uh, I don't don't know his exact, exact involvement, but it required us to move around a lot. Um, with the stepfather. Yeah. Yep. So I lost touch with my dad when I was 10. He, he kind of, you know, they got a divorce, you know, the old song and dance there. And, uh, yeah. So we moved around a lot. We went to South Korea. We lived in Austria. We lived in Germany, uh, Italy, um, you know, California, Hawaii. We, we did the, we did the tour, man. It was pretty crazy. I would think that because you're moving around so much, you don't end up having a lot of possessions. You don't have a lot of possessions. You don't have a lot of friends. And I remember times asking my mother when I was young, I said, I'd say, am I going to pass fifth grade? You know, I was only in school for like, you know, three months before we had to pick up and go somewhere else, you know? And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it was hard, man. And I had no, um, no intention of wanting to, when I turned like 18 and we, the reason we ended up in the state of Maryland I mean, if, if you put that in perspective, you know, in 18 years, 30, 36, 37 states and seven countries. Oh, my God. That's that's insane to that's think insane. about, right? And there was times when me and my sister, would we would fly by ourselves, too, because my mom would go out and get the house all set up and everything. And I remember flying with my sister when I was, like, you know, 10, 11 years old, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. And we'd be flying to another country by ourselves. You know, it's just like. Here we That's, go. We're we're going to Italy. We're so, going to Germany. So. so what would be the what would be the quickest turnaround before uh, moving? Moving, do you think? Uh, we lived in South Korea for thirty days, and then we that was probably the quickest we we lived anywhere, and the longest I I lived anywhere before I moved to Maryland was um I lived in Hawaii for about f- probably five or six years. That huh. was the longest I lived anywhere. So. We were stationed in um, Honolulu, but everything in between there was just like, you know, we stayed at places for six months. We stayed at places for three months, and it was just wherever he was needed is where we went, and I fucking hated it. It's crazy that the government is willing to move families. 100%, yeah. It's crazy. They're going to move an entire family all over the place Yeah. for the, the sake of this job. Yeah. It was, it was pretty crazy. And, and my, I didn't really have a, um, you know, it's not a sob story. I really didn't have a father figure growing up because the guy that, uh, my mom married, he was a fucking asshole. He was a complete asshole. And, uh, he just kind of took his, took his job too serious. You know, one of the, you know, it's like no time for kids kind of deal. And, uh, so from like about 10 to 18 years old, I was just kind of like, figuring out you know figuring out life on my own and he went over to war for a couple of years and that was like the best best time i'd ever had as a child that i can remember because i was like 
you know, he, he was a dick, man. Really? <laughs> yeah, he was a dick. He got deployed for like almost, uh, we got deployed for like nine months one time and then, and then a year after that. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was, it was a good time in my life when I didn't have, you know, some, and it wasn't even like a, uh, there was some like, you know, mental abuse and stuff that went on right. back then. And it was just like a bad situation to be in and, uh, you know, got out of it. And I remember the day my mom told me I, I was probably 17 years old and she said that they were getting a divorce and I started jumping up, jumping up and down for joy. You know, I was, ha I was so happy. I can only imagine. <laughs> it was a, it was a messed up situation, but, uh, from my perspective, it was like, it was, it was a, a good thing. You know, wow. I didn't have to deal with the moving anymore. So that is how I ended up where I ended up now because mom got divorced. We didn't have to move anymore. I'm like, oh, well, let's establish some roots here. And, you know, I traveled all around the world before I was 18 and end up in Maryland. <laughs> do you think that she had a hard time once she divorced your stepfather? Do you think she had a hard time kind of figuring out how that her life and your life and your sister's life was going to be not yeah. involved with the military? It's got to be like, yeah. you have almost like have a safety net taken away from you. Yeah, it was bizarre, man. It was it was a it was a strange thing, you know. It was like uh, we we got planted here by the government, um, and uh, we actually lived when we moved to the state of Maryland. We moved here from Germany. We had um, lived in a hotel for three months uh, before we actually had a physical house to live in. It was pretty crazy. It was a pretty nice. crazy. Uh, you know the whole living situation, the whole the whole childhood. You know, I don't I don't share too much of that because it's not a it's not a sob story for me. It no, kinda of like, course. It kind of helped me, you know, like figure out this sense of independence that I have today. You know, not having a father figure in my life. Uh, you know, flying around from country to country, driving from state to state, getting you know deployed in all these different bases and everything, and it just kind of like set me up for life in a in kind of a good way. You know, everybody has shit that happened to them when they were younger and you know stuff baggage they carry around so to speak well i like kind of used it as like fuel man i was i was ready you know i was like let's go i want to figure out i want to figure out life and figure out the world and you know it's it's it actually benefited me it wasn't a it wasn't a, a bad thing at all it sounds bad to speak about no, but it look but it wasn't bad this never was meant to be like a psychologist podcast this was meant to be like yeah. me doing dick jokes but it just right. it happens to be that i am fascinated by how people got their start and it's interesting to me because i had heard your interview with jesse and rick a few you know a couple of years ago and and, yeah. and that that idea i i have no idea what it's like to be in a military family i don't know what how what's the schooling like i mean is this are you going to a military school or are you going to public schools in the neighborhood or and i mean well, i just the whole thing just seems so crazy to me yeah, for the most part, it was um, pu it was public schooling. The only time that it transitioned into uh, kind of government schooling was if you were in a, a different country and you didn't speak the language. Um, you know, for for instance, when we lived in Germany, we went to an American only uh, school. You know, for, that was right for on. military families. Yeah, for the, the barracks was literally across the street from the uh, school, and um, you know there was armed guards all around the the base it was kind of a it was a very surreal thing i know i know you get a you kind of get a kick out of hearing crazy stuff like that because you kind of like you're sequestered in new york you yeah. know not sequestered but you know your your life experiences are kind of 
not as broad as everybody else's, you know, as like some right. of the guests you've had on. But yeah, I remember during um, Desert Storm, uh, we were we were stationed in Germany, and the Germans hated Americans. Really. Because well, yeah, because America tries to pick a fight with everybody, right? right. <laughs> I mean, we can't not go to war. So during the time of uh, the invasion, I remember uh, we actually, it was crazy. We, we would get picked up so that the, the school was located directly across the street from the barracks within walking distance. Like, it, it, you know, it was, a, it was a 500 foot walk at most. And we would have to take the bus because they would, they would throw rocks at the, you know, nothing against German people. Now, this was at the this was at the time yeah, when, when when uh, you know America was trying to go to war with the Middle East and everything for the first time. And well, not the first time, but you know that particular time. But we right. were getting we were getting rocks thrown at the the school bus as we were going across. We, we literally just had to go across the street, but they wouldn't let us walk because of that. And that was that stuck out pretty vivid in my mind. As a, I didn't have much many childhood memories just because there wasn't no roots established anywhere you know it wasn't like oh i remember swimming in this river when i was 10 years old you know it wasn't, right. n- none of that stuff kind of kind of happened to me i just kind of it was just bouncing from one place to the other and very that's so that's that part with not a lot of possessions because i'm sure that you you know you don't want to grab a lot of seat of bicycles oh, and stuff because you don't want to go from place to place with them pi- your parents yeah. don't want to pack your shit up all the five exactly every five Exactly. Actually, when I remember this uh, another time when he got back from um, – in the course of Desert Storm, we had moved from uh, – uh, Ger- we lived in Germany twice, and we, we moved from Germany to upstate New York, um, kind of around the Watertown-Clayton area, and we were stationed at Fort Drum is up there in upstate New York. Right. And he had gotten back from the Middle East – and this this kind of tripped me out too. Being being a younger kid is, uh, one day I was out, and the government military vehicles. We were in military housing for the most part. And military vehicles pulled up in the driveway where we lived, and took all the possessions out of the house, everything, bagged it all, and just like destroyed it and bought new stuff, like anything money wise, any of that stuff. Because when he got back from the Middle East. They didn't know what sort of chemical weapons were being used at the time. And they thought that maybe he had been exposed to something that could be detrimental to our health down the line. So they ended up taking the couches, the recliners, the everything, anything that he could have came in contact with. They just absolutely took it and destroyed it. And I remember like two days later, a big moving truck pulls up with all this brand new furniture and brand new clothes and yeah, it's pretty. You know that doesn't surprise surreal. me at all because yeah. my uncle, who served in Vietnam with the Marines, his wife, my aunt, was pregnant with my cousin in Camp Lejeune, mm-hmm. and when he was in Vietnam, she was in Camp Lejeune with you know getting ready to have birth to give birth to my cousin, and my uncle ended up you know he came back from Vietnam, he served a few tours of of, of duty, and then he had ended up having leukemia that they linked to his his connection to Agent Orange. Right. There's also now going on some weird things where there's there were strange, um, like, I don't know, in regards to how they d- dealt with the laundry in Camp Lejeune or something like that, there were some, like, 
children are now starting to get these weird i mean i'm i'm being based on based on experiences that i'm in my family there are these strange illness illnesses like slight illnesses that right. my my cousin is starting to feel and they're just wondering if it's they're tracing it back to like the way they kind of dealt with the laundry and drainage and stuff like that and in contaminations in camp lejeune so yeah. there's i would imagine that during desert storm there was a lot of, of, yeah, of fear was- from that yeah, it was like pretty pretty much the, you know that that movie Jarhead. Yeah, I love that, that movie. Out. Yeah, well, it's a great movie. But that was you know that was taking place during Desert Storm and everything, and it was like one of those things where they made them. Uh, they said swallow this pill. You know, if there's ever a chemical attack, you have to put this in your mouth. You know, that was a that was like a real thing that was that happened over there. Do you know that I was. Uh... I was Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, yes. camp counselor. I know all about it. He all said right. he was a little shit. He, he was. It was. He was just fresh off of. He was the kid from City Slickers. Yeah. And he was. He was. I. Fr- I don't know what I tell on these goddamn podcasts, but you do he so was, many. He was totally overexposed, uh, Jeff. You're right. I do too much, right? <laughs> you do too much. <laughs> so he. I mean, he was. He was unsufferable. He was insufferable, and yeah. his, and the kids in the the bunk really just found him to be insufferable too, and we just kind of looked the other way when the kids would give him fritz but desert storm in general was i was a senior in high school during desert storm and i just remember it was a real topic of conversation among my classmates and i went to an all-boys school and a lot of them were like you know very standard upper east side young boys who were like you know let's bomb them into the stone age and stuff like that and we had a conversation with our one of our english teachers who had served in vietnam and we were talking about if there was a draft would we go and all the kids who were saying let's bomb them into the stone age were the first ones to say they were going to go to you know, Canada. And yeah. I was the only one to say, well, I would enlist. I mean, I would right. enlist. And it got to the point where I really wanted to enlist because my father had enlisted after um, Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And I just felt like, you know, this is my uncle's served proudly in Vietnam. And I was like, you know, this is maybe this is this, I need discipline in my life. Maybe this is the thing to do. And I was, you know, I was steered clear of that, but I, I wish I, I, part of me always wishes what, what my life would have been like during that. But that was a, I can only imagine what it was like to be the kid of a guy being deployed in Desert Storm. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty intense, man. I mean, I mean, me and I. That's funny you say that about when Desert Storm was happening. When you like uh, when I was just when we were talking to Honor on the last uh, episode of the podcast. We right. said I said that. Um, 9-11 happened yeah you're 18 you know? yeah and i i had that same thought when in my head like oh i want to you know and then uh, the more i thought about it i was like the military's fucked up man well <laughs> you, you know, know it's just a, it's just a bad i mean listen to what happened to him that was crazy you know this you, is for our listeners you have to listen to the axe and iron podcast with uh chris does an incredible job and it it's infuriating to be honest with you because the episodes i listen to that you do make me mad because i'm thinking well i can't have this person on because <laughs> too good of a job so he had honor honor caglar on who was yep. incredible and then i'm just finishing up the uh, leah what's leah her name arapach arapach incredible yeah, and you, you're doing no, an incredible job of that well thank you i appreciate that we're having a lot of fun doing it too we're i can you know, tell we're just like just like you know there's no rhyme or reason to it we're just having a good time and get some good people on you know very much similar to what you're doing um but yeah, it's it's good. We're having a good time, and well, and the guests are incredible. I love every single person that's been on, and we're getting a really great, diverse group of, uh, you know, makers and blacksmiths and sculptors and wood guys, and it's just you know, it's fun. Well, the reason why I like your podcast so much is because 
I love the way you and Roy are with the guests and you're making it less of like an interrogation. Yeah. And more yeah. of it and more of a conversation you guys are talking to Leia about her sculpture and you're talking about her art. And I love the fact that you guys are talking about it and kind of looking at it and stuff like that. And the next thing you know, you're calling him dumb and he's calling you big headed. And <laughs> it's just a, it, the, the dynamics was fantastic. And it was really just like I was I was angry and jealous, which is yeah. always a that should be a compliment. So right. that, <laughs> you yeah, should I take that as a that. compliment. But uh, back to when we were talking about owner, you know, I was thinking about that because this episode is going to drop on 9-11. So when this comes oh, out wow. on Friday, yeah. it will be 9-11. And for me, you know, it, it, the 9-11 is, and I'm not going to, we're not going to go into it. Anymore, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, it, it is one of those things that, you know, we say, don't forget, but they've, you know, people have forgotten. And it's just yeah. like, you know, they, it's, it's, it's just, I'm amazed that you were able to, and it means a lot to me. And I'm not going to get too much into it. And I've done episodes about it and I'm not going to do any more about it. But it's one of those things that to me, it's like, I look at people who especially who use these uh, points in their lives to, you know, give yourself to service, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, first uh, first line workers or, you know, military or police or firefighters. And it's just it's just this is always like this really very impressive situation that I'm just I'm not up to. So, yeah, it is. It you know, we've had a couple vets on our show and it's just like, man, you can just tell them these guys were ready, you know, and I, I just. It's not even like the, uh, I don't want to say I didn't have the ball. Well, you know what? That is what it is. I didn't have the balls to go in. You know, my, my life took a different direction and, right. and I'm glad it did. Plus past experiences kind of steered me another direction. I was like, man, the, you know, God bless every single guy, man and woman that goes in the service and does anything like that. You know, firefighter, you know, military, whatever. Uh, but I just had such a rough go at it when oh, I was a kid. Dude, there's that, no way you're going to go you know, into the military. I just, I, I, if you I, hated it, it, uh, it, it, it it's changed yeah. your life. I mean, your childhood is completely ch- And that, it's the funny thing is, is now I'm going to analyze you a little bit. I, I honestly, you do a lot. You do a lot. You're always running around. You're always yeah. at 4 o'clock in the morning. You're driving. You pick up a, a power hammer. Or, yeah. You know, I remember you used to be just doing tools and stuff. Now I think you got, you're too busy doing other things to be buying and selling tools. Well, actually, that's funny you bring that up because this uh at the end of this month i have this is this will be a full blast exclusive right here at the end of this month i actually have another guy that's going to come work for me full time and his main focus is just going to be getting tools getting tools and getting them in people's shops that's going to be that's what he's going to be working on so yeah i have this guy i've known for We've actually worked together for the last 20 years doing different um, different things. You know, I came from the I came from the body industry, uh, yeah. the, the auto body industry, and me and <clears throat> excuse me, me and this guy Mike, we've we've worked together for 20 years, and he's uh, he's gonna come work for me full time doing uh, doing the tool thing. Now so. you've got you're building this new shop with Ilya and Matt. Yeah, uh, you're doing your bottle openers. You're doing the tools. Ah, yeah. I mean, I, I it's, when you see the the bumping around, you know, the when you're the childhood of moving around, it's the yeah. idea of it's, you know, you see something new ahead of you, you're not immediately turned off by it because you're so used to packing up and starting over. Yeah, you so know, I, I think that this is it makes you less risk adverse. Well, I think what uh, I think a lot of what it is is like a sense of, you know, I couldn't really, you know, that, that moving around kind of sounds. you know to the average person it sounds good but you couldn't do anything i mean like if you were if you were stationed somewhere for there 
if you were stationed somewhere for six months, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. It's not like, you know, my biggest regret living in Germany when I was younger was I never went and saw any of the castles or any of the history or anything like that. You know, it was just like, oh, there's another castle. We, you know, we passed another castle on the road. It's like all this stuff just kind of got glossed over because all we were doing was living. We were right. just living, you know, to the next place. And it was a, it was a shit situation that I kind of turned into a, um, good situation in my adult life is just like uh now i have this sense of freedom and independence where nobody's i'm in control of everything now right so wednesday i drove 14 hours out to ohio and back you know it was like did it in one day and it kind of pops into my head like uh you know and to, to bring it all like around in full circles my dad died two years after he got out of the military right so huh. like I, he was in the military for 25 years, not my stepfather, my, right. my my actual biological father, and I actually reconnected with him when I when I was 20 years old, and we started forming like an actual you know relate father and son relationship, and um, yeah, it's like the sense of freedom of being able to do what I want now just kind of like translated into. I can go drive 14 hours to Ohio if I want. I can, you know, drive to, te- you know, last year I drove to Texas and did like a world tour of of all my favorite guys in Texas, you know, and went and hung out with Ben Snore and yeah. uh, uh, Terry and Andrew and just like, you know, my, go and see my family. And yeah, I don't know, man. I think a lot of the, the uh, I think there was a lot of control that I wanted, you know, like, as I started becoming a man and, you know, becoming an adult and like wanting to do my own thing, it was just like this, this freedom. Now I can go do whatever the hell I want. And, and I realizing it took me a long time to realize that, you know, I was in control of everything. I I just didn't have it. I just didn't have it in me yet. You know, it took me a long time to get it, get out of my head and realize that like, nobody's going to tell you where to go anymore. You can, you can do whatever you want. Is that why you're such a picky eater? That's probably why I'm such a picky eater. You're a super picky eater. <laughs> I am a picky eater. Everybody knows that about me. I don't That's know why. That's the reason why. It's it, no. It's it's yeah. completely mental. It's 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 it, you want com- some control over something. Yeah, we we had huh. there there was a base we lived at, and you know you talk about now it's nothing to you know the time we live in now it is something to go out and go out to eat. But before all this crap happened, you know you can go out to eat wherever you want and go. You know you want to go hang out with your buddies or whatever and. You know, go have a beer or something. I remember growing up, and there was a place we lived for a year that there was only one restaurant within like 350 miles. Like that was it. Oh my god! And it was like a Burger King. It wasn't even like a restaurant <laughs> because the base we lived on was so secluded. It was very bizarre. So it was just like it, it was. It was interesting. It was How an interesting you- childhood that you know, kind of made me into what I am today. But how would you occupy your time? You know, we also only had... It, it, so on the military bases, there was a lot of... Um, uh, what would they be called now? They weren't like YMCAs. They were kind of like youth camps. Uh, at, like rec centers, you right. know, on base. You know, because all the kids were in a very similar situation. How many kids do you think there were, at, you know, based on... you know? Our, oh, on see. base, on barracks, there'd be, you know, there'd be 100 kids. Oh my god. Yeah, and we'd all be at the rec center all all day, you know. Anybody that's grown up in the military, you know, they're all shaking their head like, "Yep, I know exactly." <laughs> you know, it's like you didn't leave base, you just stayed on base and when you were <laughs> overseas, uh you got one channel that was called AFN, which stood for Armed Forces Network. 
That was the only channel you had on television. Just because that's all that right. was offered on base unless you paid, like, you know, for satellite or whatever. But you didn't have, like, cable TV or, you know, internet wasn't a thing. So it was a... Uh, so what would your mom do all day? Uh, You know, she had jobs. She got odds and ends jobs on base or even outside of base. Um, You know, when... It wasn't like... Uh, it wasn't like... Uh, you know, she didn't... There was times where she didn't need to work. You know what I mean? Right. The housing's paid for. You know, it's not yeah, but like I mean, you, you a... occupy your time. It's not. Yeah. I'm not worried about the the money. I was I was yeah, thinking more yeah, along yeah. the lines of like, what do you do? You pick up a, like a drug habit or something? Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean like, you gotta think. There's you know, two hundred other wives in the same situation. You know, their mm-hmm. their husbands are off in the Middle East or deployed too, or they're you know working crazy hours at whatever this job was. You know, it's like she had friends and stuff, and they just like hang out. And, but it wasn't like a it wasn't a normal situation, let's say that. Did she enjoy the times you guys would move, or was it filled with dread? No, it was always filled with dread. There was never an excitement, uh, you know, to go fly anywhere. It was, it was very, um, uh, it was very follow the line, you know, like stay in. This is what you do. This right. is it. There's no like, this oh, is... we're gonna while we're here, we're gonna go see this. Right. It was very regimented and like. This is where you go. This is where you live. This is where you sleep. And when we call you, this is the next spot. You know, it's how much? Like that. How much time would you have in between? Like, let's just say you moved in, you're in whatever. How much time would they give you to tell you they're gonna move, and then you actually move? Oh shit, we've moved the next day. Oh my god. Yeah, you know oh because my god. because the average stuff that people are used to, like calling a moving company and getting a truck, and then like moving all your, like that wasn't a when you when you were you know moving around with the government that wasn't a thing they just came in and took care of everything it wasn't they, like they pack your bags they pack everything pack all the you know no obviously not your personal belongings like your clothes and stuff like that but you know your furniture and everything you didn't have to worry about taking pictures off the wall and like you know they did all that shit for you and you just like on to the next spot where so. the where, i'm sorry this is fascinating to me no problem now were like the apartments that she'd move into similar in each different place would very you know, similar. So yep. you'd know where to put. You'd know where everything was going to go. Yeah, it was very, it was very cookie cutter, very square. Uh, you know, no, no, nothing luxurious. It was majority of the time if you weren't on a uh, split level uh, building, you know, where like one, two, three, four, five, you'd be on like a brick rancher, and they'd all look exactly the same. Everybody had the exact same house. That is so crazy that you're basically moving into the exact same apartment every single Everywhere time. Everywhere you go, yeah. That's, yep. Don't you think that's crazy? It's insane. Absolutely insane, yeah. But it was just like a normal thing for us. It wasn't like a didn't, – you didn't really think about it in those terms when when you were growing up. You know, it was like we lived in California for a while. We lived in Arizona. We lived in uh, – you know, we were all over. We lived in Florida for a while. It was just like – Everywhere you went, man, it was just like, this is it. This is the next spot. You know, the school thing was the most bizarre thing. You know, it's like you you get plucked out of school like a month in. And then you have to like readjust your whole everything to like, okay, I'm the new kid again. You know, but it how, wasn't, you didn't have you this. Do that? You didn't have this like new kid fear though, because nine times out of 10, you ended up on a close to a military base where, you know, there'd be half the class would be just just fresh in you know they just got there too in the middle of a school year or something so it wasn't like it just wasn't i don't know it was it was fucked up when it was going on but like looking back at it like i said it kind of like made me into what i am now like 
the way I the way I move and the way I do yeah, you, things. You're not afraid to go. No, uh uh-uh, uh, no. So and uh yeah, it's it's it was crazy when it was happening, but the, you know it's uh, it was a it was a blur. Just like I said at the beginning, everything that that happened was a blur. I can't I can't give you like, you no, know I fine. see I see photos of myself uh, when I was a child, and I couldn't even tell you where they were taken at. You know what where we where we were anything like that. You know it's like it was just a blur, an absolute blur. And, you know most kids can be like, oh I remember that swing set. It was like. What the hell was that? Do, <laughs> who do are you, those, and who are those people in the background? That, a lot of that. Do you think you have a place that you guys live that you really enjoyed being at? Like one place you were just like, God, that was really great. You know, before my um, before my mom and dad divorced, again, they divorced when I was 10. We lived in Hawaii for a significant amount of time there. And those memories of living there were the greatest. They so were your like, parents got divorced when you were in Hawaii? Yeah, when we lived in Hawaii, yep. And you loved Hawaii? I loved Hawaii, and it wasn't even from a, a, a standpoint of, like, the scenery. Well, it was beautiful, obviously, but, like, my dad was a diver for the Navy, um, and he would take us out diving when I was a kid. Not me physically diving. We would get on this thing. I remember me and my mother would get on this giant thing called a fun island. It was just like a big, giant blow-up platform. And him and his friend, they would take us out in the middle of the ocean, and my dad would go down to the seafloor. He was certified, you know, scuba diver. He'd go yeah. down to the seafloor, and he'd bring up octopus, and he'd bring up squid, and he'd bring up starfish. And I was this kid, like, you know, playing with all these sea creatures when I was, like, eight, nine, ten years old. And, man, I will, like, never forget that. Well, it's because your dad was bringing you gifts. Oh, yeah. It was, like, it was insane. It was so cool. I remember this one time he, he went down. And we, I, I would have a snorkel kit on when I was a kid, right. like hanging over the edge of this thing, looking down, and I could watch them. And they'd swim, you know, 40, 50 feet down. They'd go pretty far, and it'd get kind of dark down there. And um, he was coming up one time, and his eyes were, you know, they were huge. And I knew he had seen something big. And I remember him telling me to a T that was the biggest shark he had ever seen while he was diving. Oh my God. And it was in between us and him as he was coming up to the surface i never i never got to see it or anything but he was scared to death and it was like a and he had dove he had tremendous amount of diving experience so he had seen you know all the ocean had to offer but he came up and he said that was the largest shark i'd ever seen oh my god (laughs) and i'm like total terror yeah total terror well actually it was eight nine ten i wasn't like super scared because you know we we lived there we was like it was nothing to just go out in the ocean and and do whatever your because, dad's a navy diver what are you yeah, scared of yeah he wasn't you know being a, he was on a submarine for eight months one time man it was like there was i don't know the ocean's just a big part too I, lo- I love being in the ocean i think that all stems from you know living in hawaii and being out in the ocean all the time and seeing all these you know cool ass sea creatures a lot of my work has turned into this too and it's all stemming from that i think about it i'm like you know what this this is all kind of stemming from this weird shit that happened to me when i was a kid there's and definitely when i look at the sculpture you do with the especially the kind of there's almost like a lot of there's a lot of it i would say and i'm saying this with with you know respect is kind of tendrils you have yeah. these really interesting tendrils that are very either kind of i can see it now that you mentioned that kind of like a seaweed they're very organic yes. or some sort of yeah you know, i can say that's it i think i i'm I, you know i talking about my i talking to my kid recently we're, I, we're talking about you know, kids now, and and I'm convinced that that this whole 
what we're dealing with now with with the pandemic and these kids are having a hell of a time. This is the first week of uh, school season, school, right. and everyone's having a hell of a time. I'm convinced that childhood traumas define the person that you are. And what's interesting to me about you is, and the difference between you and me is, is if I was in your position, all I would want would be stability. All I would right. want would be, I don't want to move anywhere. I want to stay in this place. I want to have some familiarity. I want to have some roots down in one place. And yeah. I want to feel I want to feel a degree of, of, of comfort in the stability. I don't want to have to tomorrow move somewhere. But you've taken that completely differently because you run off to Texas, run off to Ohio. You're running well, up to New York. You're running all over the place. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're not afraid of that. It wasn't a, tra- it wasn't a trauma to you. Yeah, no, it was it wasn't a trauma, but but as far as being grounded and being, you know, I met my wife when I was eighteen, and that's that's the reason I stayed here. Otherwise, huh. I I probably would have, you know, kicked it to the next town or you know went and lived with my brother back in Texas and everything. But uh, no, when I met her, that's that's what kept me in Maryland. It was like you know I, I told my mom we moved here when I was I want to say around sixteen seventeen years old. And met my wife when I was 18, and uh, I remember telling my mom, I said, "When I turn 18, I'm out of here. Like I'm, I'm going to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. You know, I'm moving out of the house, which is a rare thing for kids nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I met my wife, and we ended up. Uh, you were 16. You met her? No, no, no. I was 18 when I met her. But we we had moved here. We had moved to Maryland. I want to say I was 17 when we moved here. 16 or 17 years old, and. um I met her when I was 18 and we ended up, you know, getting married and getting a house and well, we were lived you, in an apartment for a long time. Were you but, out of your mother's house when you met her? No, I don't think I was yet. No. That is an incredible transition. Yeah. You get to an age and you meet the woman of your dreams. Yeah. And then you settle, you know, all of a sudden now you're not, in tr- the military isn't in charge of you anymore. Yeah. It's a very, very, I mean, that 18 was and she, a, she lived here all her life, too. So that was another thing that was, like, weird to me. I'm like, how have you lived here your entire life and never gone anywhere? You know, it's like the, the further she had been away was, like, Pennsylvania, Delaware, which is, you know, but borders, you, it borders, seems borders. like you need that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, her family was, like, you know, having a family that was all in the same exact place was so bizarre to me when I had met her family and oh, bet. her grandmother lives there. All her aunts live nearby her uncles, you know, it's like her whole family lives here. And I'm like, Holy shit. My family's, you know, Dude, you're, to- you're a Martian. I mean, yeah. you're totally a Martian. I was. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I, you know, I told her, I'm like, we're going to Germany one day. I'm going to take you to Hawaii where I used to live. And it's, that's like a foreign, foreign subject. Does she have any interest in that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Eventually, obviously not now the mm-hmm. way, the way Fine. things are going, but, um, no, and then I just kind of went on this crazy journey out of uh, out of the auto body world. I did that for a long time, and that's how did all you get I've... into that? Um, it was one of those things where you just kind of like you started as the sweeping the floor kid, you know? Yeah. Right, right when I moved here, started sweeping the floor at a at a dealership, clean cars, that kind of crap, and uh, Sky just I befriended this older body man and he says i need you to 
cut this apart and re-weld this core support in this van for me. I'm like, for one, what the fuck is a core support? It's <laughs> like, I've never even picked up, I've never picked up a welder in my I, life. I don't know what a core support is either. It's just the front end that supports the radiator and the headlights. It's the, the metal structure behind the, behind all the pretty stuff, behind all the plastic bumpers and all that stuff. And, uh, cut that out and, uh, you know, he taught me how to weld, and from that day, I just kept going after after hours and just, like, helping him out in the shop. Like, as soon as I'd clock out from my bullshit job, I'd start doing that, and um, then the body world just kind of, like, took over my life for a long time, too, because it was, um, it was another thing. Going back to independence, it was a flat-rate job. I didn't get paid by punching the clock or, you know, how many hours I worked. It was by the job. Anybody that's worked piece rate before, it's like the more more work you do, the more money you make. Dude, the buy the piece is such a smarter move in the metal business. Yeah. And it's one of those things that my old, uh, the guy really first started working for, John Ledford, who was the lead man at the Center for Metal Arts, used to tell me, when you're working for a blacksmith or a fabricator, you will never make any money unless you get buy the piece where you right. can do it by the piece and then you get a piece of the and then that that makes you want to move faster especially yeah. for like doing like you know spaghetti railings and doors and door jams and like construction stuff yeah it's the move it because yep. it motivates you it motivates you to work hard oh 100 percent. yeah so that was that was really the only job i'd ever had was like i started out doing the bullshit he hired me on as a helper i got paid <laughs> i'll never forget this i got paid uh, $3 per flat rate hour. So however many hours we turned the week, I would get $3. So if we did a hundred hours, I would get $300 for the week, right. you know, as a helper. And at the time I didn't really have any like responsibilities, you know, 16, 17 years old. I was like, Oh yeah, it sounds great. Well then I got good and started getting better. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of, um, uh, frame machines and everything that we were using to so i did production body work i didn't do uh restorations and antique cars and stuff like that i did collision repair which was basically you know just everyday accidents you see out on the road but what i really heavily got into was uh frame repair so we were the, the auto body industry kind of transitioned into buying these um frame machines from sweden and all the old guys didn't want to learn the metric system. Right. And they, they, they could care less. I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, typical old guy shit. Like, I'm not learning the metric <laughs> system. So I started learning the metric system and was able to repair these frames and just kept doing it and doing it. And then I became the frame guy. Well, then when you transition, you know, I'm going, I'm fast forwarding a lot. But I went from $3 an hour to a helper to $45 an hour, you know. I was, I was, I made the most money I ever made in my life when I was like 26 years old, you know, it was, it was crazy. But that, that was another thing was a driving force behind what I do today is like, you don't work, you don't get paid. You know, it's like, it wasn't a clock thing where you could punch the clock and just, you know, hang out much like Steve said when, when you interviewed him, you know, he's like sitting at a computer all day, rat in a cage, not, you know. But it wasn't you, that type it wasn't that type of job. But it takes it takes a certain person and a certain motivation to be able to feel that way. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. don't feel that way. Well, I think a lot of it what it was was no uh possessions. You know, you brought up possessions earlier as a right. kid. I didn't have shit. Yeah. I couldn't tell you my favorite toy or like my favorite remote control car or some stupid shit like that. I didn't have shit. So 
I was ready to go, man. I'm like, let's get this thing figured out. Let's, I'm going to get a house. I'm going to get, you know, no help. I didn't have any relationship with, uh, my father. I didn't have a relationship with stepfather. Me and my mom's, my mom and I's relationship was starting to deteriorate quickly. Um, so I, I had to figure it out on my own and then I became very independent, very quick. Wow. You know, as far as figuring out. But the funny know, no, thing is you had no, you had no possessions when you were a kid. Yeah. But now you're buying all these goddamn tools all across I, the country. I have too much fucking shit, Jeff. I have way too much. <laughs> but no, that just kind of turned into this. Um, I had always been into tools and uh, started flipping tools and just like was like damn you can make some pretty good money at doing this so then i started zeroing in on blacksmith tools um and you know just metalworking tools in general because i was using the stuff and you know other guys needed this stuff in their shops and started doing that on the side along with the bodywork stuff and then it just kind of evolved into this just crazy thing that I got going on now, and I'm I'm kind of like on a I'm I'm in a I'm in a marathon too. I'm not like in no hurry to get to the end, dude. But, I that's the way to go. Yeah, Beautiful. I don't want I don't want I tell everybody I, I I make this comment to a lot of people. It's like short term money. I'm not like interested in making like a fast buck right on to the next thing. I agree. I, I want 100%. people to know that like I'm around. I'm gonna be around. You know. Try to be very kind to everybody, you know, don't be a snake, like use car salesman shit and like, you know, do what you say you're going to do. You do what your reputation is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me and you met because I was taking, you know, drove the power hammer from my place to uh, Cliff and John's. Yeah. You know, it's like, and and that's why I ended up in Texas. I drove a drill press to Texas, you know, it's like, yeah. Crazy stuff, man. Well, I'm you, enjoying myself, though. It's you, fun. You are definitely enjoying yourself. I can tell. Yeah. I need to. I want to back up just a hair. Yeah, no problem. Um, how did you get into blacksmithing? What was the first thing that kind of got you into blacksmithing? Okay, here's where I'm going to give you a bunch of shit. Okay, go ahead. Because you were talking to Cliff about this. Uh, what Cliff say about this found? The guy was doing found metal sculpture, yeah. and you were like, "Oh, that's such a cop out. That's such bullshit." No, I think I know. I don't think it's cop out. I think it sucks. <laughs> it does. It does. But I did that for six years. And I don't blame I was, you. I was doing that on the side, and I was making. I tell you how. What I tell you how good I did. For everybody out there listening, don't listen to Jeff when he tells you don't do that <laughs> shit. I got audited by the fucking IRS that year, one of those years, because I was doing so well that I, they were like, how's this kid 24 years old and he's putting this much money in the bank? You know, it's like, because I, really? I, I was, yeah, we, I was doing incredibly well for a bunch of years doing found metal sculpture. Um, and that was like my famous story of like, you know, do, I kind of, I kind of do this thing with a, a lot of the guys that have been following me for a while is I do this shit that's like make make what you want is kind of like my thing that I always say in my yeah. head is because I don't give a fuck what anybody says or you know what what their what their definition of a blacksmith or a metal worker you know it's like I don't care about any of that shit I just need to take care of you know myself and and make sure that I'm being nice to people and kind to people is like I, you know I don't want to like put on this this act, you know, there's like this cool kid club that kind of goes around in the metalworking world. And I don't want any parts of that shit. I just want to like do my own thing. So I kind of going back to your question, how you got started is I was doing this found metal sculpture stuff. And this old guy who's probably in his sixties, 
he said, have you ever thought about incorporating forged? Because my style of found metal sculpture that I was doing, I wasn't doing like the rooster made out of the brake drum with the, <laughs> you know, like with the fan feathers. I was doing very much, very similar to my forge work with the tentacles and the crazy seaweed. And yeah. I was doing that kind of shit. So I was like cutting and heating up and manipulating stuff to make my market was women um that for yard art and garden art yeah. i did that for like six years and was successful as hell and it, it was yeah. awesome and then this this old guy says i used to have these things and every uh, memorial day i'd have a sale in front of the house where i'd work on sculpture all year and then one day i would sell it and these guys these people would come from all over the place just to buy this shit it was, it was crazy it was so much fun and and this old guy came by and he came by every year for about three years. And one day he says, I'm going to this thing called a banner. You should come. And I'm like, I don't know, blacksmith thing. And he says, yeah, the only downside to it, you know, looking back at it, I was, I was an idiot. He says, it's a hundred dollars a day or it's a hundred dollars for the weekend. And I said, a hundred, what am I getting for a hundred dollars to go to this thing? They, you know, they better be giving me something here. And, you know, I didn't know what it was back then, but he said, yeah, you ought to think about incorporating forge work into the metal art you're already doing. And I was like, oh, you know, whatever. Year went by, and I go to – I've told this story a million times, but I don't give a That's shit. That's fine. This is the – as far as I, it's new to me. <laughs> yeah, I go to um, Matt Harris's place. Matt Harris is a metal sculptor uh, blacksmith out of um, – Maryland. Right. He's uh, north of me. Matt Harris is he's one of the greatest greatest guys I've ever met in my life. He kind he kind of changed my life and set me on a, this this crazy path that I'm going on now and I'll I'll forever be grateful to him to, to him and his wife. Um but he talked to me like the first day I went to he he did a, a hammering at his shop and I get there not knowing anything about anything. I didn't know what an anvil was, you know, I knew what an anvil was, but you know I didn't, I didn't know what power hammers and all that shit so i show up and he's like the the kindest guy him and his wife heidi they, they're amazing amazing people and he just talks to me like he's known me for 20 years you know i never never met the guy in my life and he ends up doing this giant uh forged sculpture of a flower and that is when he did the uh, the thing that I do to the bottle openers now, which I call the dragon twist. Yeah. He did that technique that day. But he did it on a three-inch round bar by two foot long under this big nasal power hammer. And I, I just left there like, holy crap, this is insane. Mind blown. Mine was blown because he was doing forge work that I was trying to do with all this found metal art, with this found metal sculpture shit. I was trying to like put pieces together and make it look like what he had just created right in front of me in you know in a, in one day hammering and i ended up speaking to his wife for a long time and and just ins and outs of the business and how 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 do you how do you even do this how do you you know create a living doing this and they were very very kind to me both of them and they they still are and he's one of the greatest friends on earth uh to me he's just amazing and but, but that's how i started i went to matt's place and came back home and I was like, I figured out how to get a forge and I figured out where to get an anvil. And then, you know, then everything just started going and going and going. And then I fell in love with the, the blacksmith side of the metal work and just kept going that way. 
And I think that you were very susceptible to, to the kindness of another man. Yeah, I think you were very susceptible for the, to have a person who could have been like a father figure be you're nice such a, to you. You're and such a psychiatrist, Jeff. You I'm telling, uh, so dude, good. it just comes right you're out. So I'm, good, it comes right out. I mean, he was clearly giving you something that neither your father, well, your father yeah. did give you something. Your right. father did give you something, and then he was gone, and then yeah. and then your and then the stepfather didn't give you shit. It just made you travel around, and now this is here's a guy who's doing the same thing that your dad did from the ocean where he brings you up this squid and he, yeah, he you shows you yeah. it's a total connection between this guy and what your father done, brought it but, back but but matt is not that old I thought, <laughs> he's, you know what? he's only me, a couple years older than let me, me have my, you, let me have my fucking thing okay you know what on, you're, you're you're probably right because i was i was on this like kind of like lost well i wasn't lost i was just trying to figure out my way the way i was going to do things you know the way i wanted to to do to do stuff and yeah when i say susceptible i mean like you were willing yeah you were willing to accept it yeah and you got it and then we became very good friends since then we i've done uh i've helped i did (laughs) i made a giant squid one year at his hammer in oh shit it's all coming around it's 100 and then i and then i helped him at a at another hammer in the year after that and we've been friends ever since we talk on a weekly basis and um but yeah and then i i just kind of uh kept going with it man and it was just like shit i'm having a lot of fun and i stopped doing the bodywork thing and just started doing this full time and this is like super overwhelming it's really fun i'm having a great time and yeah i'm just like ready you're, for everything that's you're so well adjusted like i wouldn't be as well adjusted as you are you know what it is a lot of it honestly is my wife amy because she does she does not like she doesn't care. She supports me nine thousand percent. She tells me like I'm like, this is this is the conversation we had before I left for Ohio the other day. Is I'm going to Ohio. Okay, see you when you get back. That was it. Because she knows like. <laughs> well, she knows what you need. She yeah, knows what got, you need. Okay, see you when you get she back. She wants not, to not support like, your happiness. Yeah, not what are you doing? Not where? Right. Who what are you going me? to see? What are you buying? It's just like yeah. okay, see you when you get back. Fourteen hours later, I roll back in and. It's like, Jesus, that was a drive. You know, I well, did you, it one one day. You, I mean, it's so. it's it, it, one of the things about you know the funny thing is as uh, Chris and I talk often, talking to the audience for a second. Chris yeah. and I talk a lot. I do love getting calls from Chris because he's one of the most honest people I ever met. If something, if I if I was on a podcast that sounded bad or I said something stupid, he will be the first person to call me, and I always appreciate. It. I always prepare myself for your phone calls but I at the same time I always appreciate it and 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 there is something about you that is so the the enjoyment especially when we hung out at uh maker camp last year yeah. there's there's uh there's uh, an enjoy I enjoy being around Chris because you you have an infectious energy an infectious energy that is really really great and even John Ariani you won't you know sunset won't admit it but like yeah. he feels this, I know he's miserable but I know yeah. that when you're around him, your your ener- your infectious energy. John puts on the best tough guy act I've ever seen in my life. He, he's, yeah, he's the nicest guy ever. I love John. John, me and John are like, yeah, we're very similar to where he puts on the you know the tough guy, you know, don't talk to me kind of shit. There was guys like, oh, you know, like before they met John. Oh man, that John, he just seems scary, man. He seems very like off putting. I said, John is the best. He's the greatest. John because is one of my I, favorite people. Yeah, and you know what it is? Me and him are very similar in the fact that we don't, it's just like we'll call you on bullshit. 
That's why. Yeah. We'll just like straight up like we just don't don't pull any punches. There's no like sugarcoating with us. It's yeah. just, you know, like you know, you say you gotta have a very tough skin when you're dealing with John is like yeah, it's like he know. likes it. He likes to be a little intimidating. That's the yeah, funny part. Yeah, about. he does. He does. I, I tell you he what, does. there's been so many people have come up to me and and they've been as he really is kind of scary as you sit me. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's a fucking thing. You know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, just I I I enjoy. I, I appreciate everything you said about me and my personality and everything. But I I really do enjoy talking to people. I enjoy meeting new people. That's part of the reason I love. I, I never knew Ben Snur, and I drove twenty. I drove twenty six hours to go meet him. Did, How good did, is that guy? How good is that guy? Ben is the best. Me and Ben talk almost every single night on the phone. How <laughs> nobody, good is that no, guy? Nobody knows that Ben is the biggest nerd underneath that cowboy hat. What are you talking about? Ben Snur. What do you mean nerd? Nerd about what? <laughs> He's a nerd. I'm revealing it, Ben. Well, I don't care. Well, you know what's funny? It's another thing that's funny is anytime I talk to you, Chris, yeah. you always say I have a secret you can't tell anybody, and then I'll always have to like give one Wait, of my I secrets. Say that? You say this to me all the anytime you and I talk, you say I got a secret you can't say a word to anybody. It's some deal you're I don't doing. Think, this. I don't think I say I oh, have a secret. Dude, not but you don't say I have a secret, say, but I'm telling the audience, yeah. I got something to tell you. You can't tell anybody it's a well, deal with this or it's a deal yeah. with that or deal and I always feel like well, I'm gonna have to give him a see. I'm gonna have to give him a secret too, because it's like I want him to feel like I want him to feel like I'm not just taking him for all his secrets. No, there's just some aspects of, uh, you know, I I say a big part of the with the social media. I was never a social media guy. My buddy Kevin got me on that, yeah. like two or two or three years ago. He's like, oh, you gotta get on Instagram and you gotta start talking to these guys, man. You'll meet some guys that are just like you. And you know, I was hanging out with like freaking guys that did like federal time and shit man i was like hanging out with some, <laughs> i was i was hanging out with some hardcore dudes because they couldn't they couldn't believe that you could make a buck with hard work you know these guys that came from like some real rough backgrounds like you know dealing drugs and shit like that and like where'd dude, you meet these guys <clears throat> man these guys would gravitate towards me like they would figure out that i was working in my shop every day and that's how i made a living and they would come hang out and just like, you know, pull up a chair and sit and watch and just hang out. And like, then they started working with me and shit. And they they slowly kind of all left left my life. But I had I had some guys there for a while that were hanging out. There were some pretty some pretty rough dudes, but you know they were they were all great guys and they had they had been reformed so to speak. They were like you know they did their time for whatever whatever they did and and uh, yeah it's just. I don't know, man. Life's life's good. It's crazy, but but as far as the me telling you, you know, don't say anything. I, no. I, I only show like certain portions of my life. You know, there's, I know. Look, people I'm don't. Not, I'm not. People I'm not, don't, uh, I'm not you know, accusing you. Married, I just think it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I've been married like uh, you know twenty years, and then I get guys that say, "Oh, uh, how do you go all those places? It must be nice to not be married and have a I'm like." motherfucker <laughs> like, of course i'm of like course. you know you have no idea no, i was just getting to the point where you have all yeah. these awesome little deals going on yeah and i just i one of the things and i wonder where i wonder if it came from working at that car place what gave you the i mean you're a bit of a hustler i mean i'm not that's i'm saying that with respect i mean yeah yeah you, you you're a deal maker 
And, yeah. and you've always been a dollars and cents guy. I yes. think the first time you and I ever talked, you know, I was always, I was, I was surprised you wanted to talk money and, and it was, uh, I think you know that, what, that's one of my favorite things. That conversation that me and you had in that, uh, deli shop, I still look back at some of the things that I said to you and was like watching your face. Like, you're like, holy shit. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I am, I am a very dollar and cents kind of guy. And I talk about money a lot to different people because I mean, let's, let's face it. That's like. It's what makes the world go around, right? Of course. You I'll got, tell you I'll tell yeah. you the reason why I jump back is because growing up as a parent, growing up as um as a child of a narcissist, yeah. knowing what you're being knowing what you're being what you're making was yeah. part of the power that my father wanted over me. Right. So any type of job he wanted to know what I was making and he would just make a comment or something like that. And it was always very got to the point where I was like, I'm not telling you anything else anymore. You know, what do you mean? Me as far as like he'd be like, like if oh, I wasn't making enough or he, you know, he, he showed, you know, my value was based on that. There was a, a lot of things with these narcissists is what they want is they want some power over you. And part yeah. of that power is knowledge. So anytime I, I don't enjoy talking about money because I always felt like it was some sort of, you know, it was, it was in order to get power over me so that was most likely what it was yeah but one of the things that i fascinate you and i talk about a lot is and because you know i'm on knife talking i deal with all these you know people who are trying to get in the knife business you, you and i like to talk business because i think that you and i have a very similar background in terms of you know this niche blacksmithing thing or knife making thing yeah is, without a real something might not be anything right the, uh, you know i i don't I don't, you know, I th I think I could I could still do the 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 car thing, right? I could still do that. I made the talking dollars and cents. I made the most amount of money I ever made in my life doing that. I had I had a cush job where like I could work four hours a day and make more pe more money than most people made at their full full weeks worth of work. You know, I had, a, mm. and I walked away from all that shit because I was like I was becoming very unhappy. It was very. Uh, it became like a mediocre thing. Like, oh, pull the car in. We're going to straighten the frame. We're going to tear it down. We're going to like, it was just, I, I don't know, man. It's just like uh, happiness just kind of like ruled out everything else after so long. It was just like, I was ready to, let's try this thing. You know, the hardest part. Go ahead. <clears throat> say, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, but your motivation didn't just come from the money. It came from the satisfaction of being valued for the work that you were doing. Yes. Yes. And, uh, the, the money came later, you know, it was like, Oh, you had to figure out like I, one of my very good friends is like, figure out what you need to make. Like, what do you actually need to make? I'm not talking about what you want, you know, like, what do you actually need to make to do whatever you want to do? You know, it's like, figure out that number. I figured out that number and I was like, shit, I don't need all this money. I don't need all this headache. You know, I could go, right do this thing and make the same amount that I would have did making this. Th it was just like, and I, and it's not like a possession thing or we go on vacations or any of that shit. It was just like, this is what you need to live. This is what you got to do to do it. So, you know, it's just like figure it out. And, and a lot of, again, going back to, uh, uh, childhood shit, it was like, man, I figured out that like, I'm in control of everything. Like I don't ha you don't have to go work for, so and so you don't have to make this much money you can do whatever you want and once i figured that out in my head i'm like i'm gonna go do whatever i want and that's kind of what i like 
show people like now it's like i got the podcast going on i drove to ohio i drove to texas i got the the youtube channel thing you know it's like i'm doing this but you know next week i'll be doing this you know it's like but let it, wait a second though what you can you say you can do whatever you want but within reason you it's still within the confines of the business that you're doing yes i think that i think that there's this misconception with makers that if you find something that you like to do and you do a good job you can get paid for it yeah. and then happily ever after you have to be within the confines of these are the these are the deadlines you need to make and this is the money that you need to make at the end of the month and then as long as you're organizing your time correctly and you can make it happen fine but yeah. the concept of i'm going to make whatever i want and i'm going to be happy is a fairy tale without so. with, uh, unless you have a structure behind you like you do of you know oh, okay. what you need in order yeah. to make it happen. Yes. I think that there's I think there needs to be a degree of discipline that a lot of people are not prepared for. Yes, I agree with that. I do agree with that. So the 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 make what I, I said this on uh uh the fools with tools before I think a lo long time ago. Whenever you see Mount Phillip Metalworks myself doing a sculpture, that means that I had uh a good week <laughs> you know what i mean i could go out like you always say don't go out in the shop and play around yeah well sc sculpture work to me is right now is kind of like playing around because i haven't found exactly the avenue that i want to take to get paid to do that all the time right because th at the end of the day that's what i'd like to be doing but just like you said you know you can't always make what you want that's a fairy tale yes yes i agree with you when you say that because you have to have the i have other shit going on all the time you have to going on. yeah but that's the difference between you you make it seem you make it seem like yeah no you know, an I easy that, street but yeah. you have i just want people to know yes yes that I'm you sorry. have a very you have a very structured you know yeah. like uh, business behind you and yes. it's not just like fruiting around and making I'm, shit and then only, you know. yeah i'm only sitting in here making bottle openers all day <laughs> yeah but no it's uh i only show show people what i want them to see you know i'm kind of private when it comes to you know that's like you making the comment like oh i got the secret to tell you it's like no nah, i just got a bunch of other shit going on that i don't no. want other <laughs> everybody to know about no so. but that's but, but it's always funny because yeah you you usually have a few things on the back burner yeah and that and and that they're very much along the lines of they're always it's always great because i i, I always feel like i don't want to hear what he has to say but i don't want him to feel like i'm just taking all the time yeah so i'll usually no. give you i'll usually give you one of the crazy things we're up to too which is great yeah you know that that all stems having all this crazy shit going on that's 100 percent jim like jim Jim got that in my head, you know, me and him, uh, uh Duresta, I'm sorry, Jimmy, uh, Duresta. Jimmy Duresta, me and him are very good friends, we've spoken for hours on end, you know, early into the next day's morning, um, about business and just being occupied and making the most of your time and, you know, trying to figure out what's around the next turn and just like, not be predictable, but, you know, always be ready, um, that's that that he's that a great dude him. yeah he's, he's a the, super great dude yeah he's the best man uh he i've had a lot of very long conversations with him about just you know he stays that guy there there isn't a man on this planet that can out outdo what he's doing i mean he's he is like non-stop non-stop 
There's another father figure for you. When I, you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> but when I that. go out, when I go out into the shop at nine o'clock, I feel like I'm like, you know, nine p.m. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm really, I'm getting after it today. And fucking Jim's out in the shop till four o'clock the I next know. morning. You know, it's there's like, certain people who are like that who can that's do ins- that. That's super inspiring to me, though. I get super inspired by that. My college roommate is a glass blower and bronze caster, and his move is he'll sleep till ten or eleven, but right. he'll go till five o'clock in the morning, and I can't keep up with him. Ah, it's like I, I I do I do envy that kind of being able to just kind of keep going and not turn off. But I know I mean, there's I... something to that that's more of that creative. I think it's more of a it's more of a personality issue where you're just like I can't control myself. I'm completely compelled to keep going. I that's that was the main reason that I had him on our podcast because I was like I've listened to all these podcasts Jim has done Jim has done and I just like one of these I just like how the how do you keep going like how do you not stop though like just keep going and keep going and keep going and it's just like i don't know man he's 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 got it though i just and that that's you're probably right with the father figure thing but you know jim just like an inspiring dude that just keeps going and keeps trying to figure out how to get better at what his ultimate goal you know is like he's he is he is definitely running a marathon you know he he could have cashed out you know five years ago and been done with all this shit, you know, but he's like building an empire. And that's kind of what, that's kind of like what I'm doing over here. I'm like trying to, I want this, this space over here. You know, everybody sees this new shop that we're putting out back. It's like this, that shop isn't just for us. I want like events here every year. I want to have three to six events here every year. I want to have hammer-ins. I want to have get-togethers. I want people to come hang out, enjoy tools, you know, pick up some stuff while they're here that they might have been looking for is like, you know, come hang out. And, you know, I want stuff to be happening here. Like this is the spot. And you and, also have we is you have Ilya and Matt who yeah, are Ilya ext- and Matt here. Yeah, t- they're extraordinary swordsmen, swords makers, bladesmiths, <laughs> you YouTubers, YouTubers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess. No, and, no, I would. I don't know. <laughs> YouTubers. Uh, they, they, you know, they. Ilya is a very talent. They're both very, very talented at what they do. They're very talented. And they're at Ilya. your shop all the time. Seven days a week. You know, oh every once in a while, one of us will take a day off, but yeah, pretty much seven days a week. And it's great. Uh, they, they, Ilya had, um, approached me like two years ago and was hounding me cause he knew I traveled. He knew I went to all these different shops and he's like, if you know anybody in the area, like anywhere remotely close, I've been looking for my own space to do my own thing. And, and, uh, one day the, the, the situation just like kind of worked and i was like you know what i can have you guys come over here and you guys can have this side of the shop and then it kind of like they were they were only going to be here for x amount of hours per day you know like three or four hours simply to shoot videos all it was was a backdrop to shoot videos and then it turned into this cool kind of like they kind of had the same vision i did and they were kind of going along like that sounds awesome we should do this and and then we all just kind of now we work together every day so do they live far away? They bo- they're both an hour from my shop. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Elia lives uh, dead smack in the middle of Washington D.C., and uh, Matt lives right outside of Baltimore, so they're about an hour away 
both of them. So they come to your shop and then they do commissions and then they work on YouTube videos or? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the videos is kind of like a set, like they'll set a schedule of like, okay, we're going to be filming Wednesday, Tuesday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, then we have to do this project. We work on projects together and, uh, you know, I'll help out when the videos when needed, but the video thing is kind of like their deal. You know, I kind of, I'm not super involved in it, you know, whatever they, if they need help, I'm there and, uh, vice versa. Whenever I need help with doing something and they'll help me out and stuff, but you're uh, all been, over the place. Yeah. It's been great having them here though. You know, having a, uh, some people can't work well with other people, but like, I, we, they know I have like a no nonsense kind of uh, attitude, you know. Like I, I call him out all the time, and you know, Ilya the same, Ilya's Russian, so he's like very abrasive, just just like I am, you know. He kind of just we don't don't take any shit, and we we work well together. We just we have a great kind of relationship, and when we're getting tired of each other, you know, you can't spend all your time with somebody. You just kind of like take a day off and get back to it. But they they got very similar mindsets to mine as far as like you know building an empire and. And I say I, I'm just using empire as a broad. I love broad that word. you said empire. But that's that's what we're doing, you know. I want this this place where, you know, because I've talked about it before. It's like Abana is just like such a pain in the ass. I hate to yeah. say it, but it is. It's such a pain in the ass. And the, the conferences are so far apart, and there's just I don't know. You think it's a generational thing? For all of these yeah. who don't know, Abana is the number one blacksmith organization in the United States. And I remember when I became a member, there was only like 3,000 members in the whole right. entire United States. And I'm not sure that there's that much more. Maybe more. Yeah. But like they've gone under a uh, real kind of, you know, shake up because of uh, certain, you know, Things. it's always been, yeah. it's all, in my opinion, it's always been a generational thing. Yeah, where old school blacksmiths have uh, and younger guys and the older guys. It's the same thing with going on in the in the bladesmithing community. The older guys say this is the way you're supposed to do it, and the yeah. younger guys are saying, "Well, but this is how we do it now." And there's a lot of like headbutting. And unfortunately, I think that Abana is. I don't think I've ne I've I became a member again um, right. after uh, all the kerfluffle last year because yeah. I, I thought that it was like the beginning of a new stage. Right. But I'm just not sure that it's ready to be what it could be. Yeah, I, th I mean, I know some guys that are like, you know, John Williams. From yeah, John. Works. Well, that's the reason when John Williams became a board member, that's when yeah. I jumped on. Yeah, we had a big long talk at, um, you know, right before COVID hit. The Austin Forging competition was there, and uh, everybody meets up at Haley Woodward's place at the end of the competition, and John was there, and and he was very generous and and uh with his time and answering any questions that we had about you know what was going on and but yes it is very generational and i hope a lot of you know it's hard for younger people to get involved in something like that you know it's just a tough thing not i'm not saying physically it's just kind of like they make it harder than it should be right you know is it possible that they also focus on making old things and there's that, not you know, as much that, innovation. There's yes. not as much innovation. Yes, that is true. I mean, they need to like look. The fucking days of the J hooks and bullshit are fucking gone. <laughs> let's let's Damn move right. on. You know, Damn there's right. people doing there's people doing incredible incredible work that do not get a spotlight. And you know, it's just 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. It, it, the, the old shit needs to go away. There's so much nicer and newer things going on. There's so many women out there that are doing incredible things that don't get any spotlight. And, like, just all across the board, there's just tons of people out there doing cool shit. So, yeah, going back it's... to that, you know, I want to show – we got ideas going on right now of, like, when this thing gets up. Like, we're going to be displaying people's work here. Like – I want this to be a spot where people can see, you know, people like Leah and Carl and all these people, these crazy people we've had on the other shows. Like, I want people to know who these – I have that conversation with them before we even have them on the show. It's like, people need to know who you are. Right. They need to – you're doing incredible things. You're doing incredible work. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of uh, bullshit going on where people just don't get a spotlight that, that they're deserved to have, you know? You know, I just think that – there's blacksmiths are potters with with, with hand, anvils and hammers, and I just don't understand how we can't figure out how to be more innovative. Like, yeah, I just there's there, I, I on knife talk I was talking about how there should be somebody should figure out how to do a razor blade holder, something we can actually use. And this guy Cloverfield Clover Cloverdale Forge made this razor blade holder. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. And it just seems as though that there are ways in which we can just besides, I mean, besides, you know, I think bottle openers have been like the, you know, the keeping the nose above above the water blacksmiths of yeah. like 2020. I mean, you know, in terms of like, you know, something that people can actually, you know, buy. I think one of the things with blacksmiths they need to realize is you have to focus on your marketplace on outside of blacksmiths. Kind of, you know, you talk, yeah. you know, talk about dollars and cents, you know, with yep. the knife making, I make chef knives because my market's completely different because everyone right. needs to cook between grandmas and kids and everyone needs to cook so they need a knife. I think that with the blacksmiths, I think there needs to be some designs or some ideas that are approachable to non-blacksmiths because yeah. otherwise, otherwise, I mean, you can only do so many bottle openers. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But then you got, then you, then, so the gap, there's this, the, the cool kids club thing, right? So there's this gap between the guy that's trying to get started, right? right? And then the guy that went to seven years of schooling to learn to be a blacksmith right right there's no in between there's no you know there's no like it's either the guy that's doing fifty thousand dollar commission jobs or the guy that's making bottle openers. you're you are 100 percent right and this yeah. is with most industries mm-hmm. like you can't be a professional chef without working as a cook right so it's it's where do, how do you get that how do, how do you, you close that, that gap how do you close that gap yeah. Is it online learning? Is it, you know, there has to be, there has well, to be. Well, everything's easy... fucking online learning now, right? <laughs> well, but I mean, it's seriously, I mean, I, you know, the yeah. Anvil's ring is good because sometimes they have good drawings on how to do something. Yes. Yep. There needs to be, I mean, when I was back in the day, I, the only learning I got outside of working at, in the shop was I looked at like the new edge of the Anvil by uh, Andrew, what's his face? I, I said it the last episode. I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, Jack Andrews. There, there needs to be some way in which people can learn. But the other thing is, it's, it's almost like all these young kids are making bottle openers. They're figuring yeah. this stuff out. But I mean, for guys in Abana who've done it before, how can we, you know, make people understand that it's not just making pot holders and candle, you yeah, know, like plant holders. You know, I just, I, I'm. I'm always fascinated by the fact that, you know, being a blacksmith is very, um, 
it's very problem solving. It's like most of most of metal work in general is about problem solving. But we can't problem solve how to, you know, get more attention on what we're doing and say, oh, man, this is something that could be really interesting in the home. Yeah. There's there's a lot of egos involved in that, too, you know. 100%. Closing that gap is really hard. You know, I, I, I guys, like, I, I'm pretty, I'm friends with a lot of people across the board, you know. I, yeah. I know the guy that's installing, uh, you know, a million dollar railing in a you know nfl player's house and i also know the guy that made his first nail yesterday right you know like i run the full gamut of people and i get these guys that are just like oh how do you, you know that guy's not really doing anything and like how does he make a living you know like that kind of shit and it's just like the egos man just need to go the hell out the door there's too many people that that hold themselves at a higher standard so that's why the gap will probably never close you know, in the, for instance, the knife making world right now is is like the most saturated market on the planet, and they are the most egotistical fucking maniacs. I hate to say it, all you knife makers that are listening no, to no, this, I, they, but, that's nicer than when I I just call them thieves. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I'm not I even mean, I don't even give them your your that your crazy. yours is a compliment for what I call them. Yeah. There's there's very big egos out there, and I think a lot of people just need to squash these egos and just like Hey, I'm not saying you got to hang out with the guy on the weekend, but damn, give him a chance, you know? But here's the here's the issue. And the, here's the issue is the people with the egos are talking to people in their own community. Yeah. They're not looking for a marketplace. Yeah. That's the difference. That's the right. difference. And 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 I think that, you know, we talked to so I talked to so many knife makers and they're, you know, it's it's I I just think that there we People who need a better business mind in order yeah. for this to be and realistic, because you know I, I we talked to Jason Knight. I, I I think he even mentioned he doesn't know what he's up to sometimes. You right. Know, it's like I don't know. It's it. <laughs> See, I had that. I figured that out pretty early on with the. Um, so when I was doing that found metal sculpture stuff, I, I would make all this sh- shit that I thought was cool or all you know this is hot. This looks badass. You know stuff like that. And I wouldn't sell any of it. And then these women started coming around, right? These, like, with these gardens and stuff. And it's like, oh, this is really pretty. I'd, I'd like to buy that. You know, and then I started, I was like, oh, I can, I don't care what the welder down the street thinks I'm doing. Of course. Like, I'm going to start marketing myself to this group. And that's it. I'm going to figure it out. And I figured it out. And I was very successful at figuring that part out. You know, it's like. This is the like, but like you said, I was worried about what the welder down the street was making or what kind of railing was going. It's like, meanwhile, I'm in my little shop, you know, putting together plowshare flowers and shit, like trying to figure out how to, you know, make my way in this in the world. And and uh, but yeah, I I think that conversations need to be had. Uh, another reason why I want events over here is a lot of the guys that I've met along this journey, I've met at different events and they've kind of changed my life, you know, because, you know, let's be real talking. There's a reason me and you talk on the phone a lot. And I talk to Ben Snore a lot. It's like you can only portray, or you can only say so much on, on social media, right? right. You're not, you're not, people don't really know what's going on. You know, no. this, there's a facade that a lot of people put on that like life is great. And you know, everything's, what do you say? Fucking, uh, uh, lightning bolts and lightning high fives. bolts and high fives. Yeah, that's, right. that's not a that's not a real that's a fantasy world. Of course, it's a one hundred percent fantasy. But world. my my Instagram is so fucking. They want they want this fantasy world portrayed. It's like, 
dude, there's a reason why you're like, you know, discounting your shit every day or something. It's like you're marketing yourself to the wrong people. My social media is strictly for business. Yeah. It's strictly. I mean, I feel around which once account, in a while. Which one of the seven accounts, though? I only have two accounts. <laughs> I, well, I'm trying to like, I, it's all it's all together. There's a there's a connection. I'm there, just but, busting your balls. No, I'll take a I'll take a ball busting. I want to go back to something that we talked about that we hit, hit on, and I and I want to tell you why I don't like found object sculpture. And oh it is Jesus comp- Christ! No, you didn't, I, you didn't offend t- me by that. Don't I'm worry. Not, I told, I'm not, I'm not going to I mean, even if I told you I'm not going to I know I'm not going to offend you. I know I'm just going to tell you my opinion. And it. and it comes down to my hatred for myself. And yeah. when I was started out after college, I was a I considered myself a steel sculptor. And then I would introduce myself as a steel sculptor and I go to galleries as a steel sculptor. I'm 18, 19, right. 20 years old. And it got to the point where I was just like, why do you have to say that? Why does yeah. it have to be a steel sculptor? Yes. And then I started to realize that, you know, how we re- would refer to in the art school, we would refer to, not art school, art class, we would refer to when you could, you know, you weld something up. And for somebody who doesn't know how to weld, we call it black uh, welding voodoo. Yeah. Where you yeah, see yeah. the MIG wire yep. and the, look, the bullshit and you, no one sees how it's done and it's yeah. very easy. The, to me... As I got older, and we have to found object stuff. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm saying I never did it. I, I started to stop doing it because I felt like when you start to talk about art, and this is the, one of the other reasons why I don't think knife makers are artists because they can't talk about their work without just using the word cool. Right. You know, fine. It's fine. If you, that's the way it is. If you need to be more, I think that when it comes to being a, becoming a serious artist. Or and when I say serious artist is like it means something to you, you should be able to describe it. You should be able to talk about it, whatever. That, yeah. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to found object art, the problem I have with it, and I have one of my you know father figures that ruined my life. Let's hear. Uh, I'm not. I'm not mentioning his name, but he did a ton <laughs> of work. He did a ton of work for. He didn't ruin my life, but yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a bad situation. He did all his work as found object art, and I knew him, and I knew his work, and we would talk about his work, and I talked to him, and it got to the point where you can't separate the vocabulary of the found object work from the sculpture. So if you put, if you weld a chain up along the bridge of something, you're yeah. never going to lose the fact that that was this piece That's of chain. chain. Yeah, and I and I always felt like that is. That becomes um, like the albatross around the neck of the work because you can never, unless it's meant to be and you can describe right. it, it's always going to hang there as not intentional enough. Right. Like I want to talk about, you know, when I look at my work and, and I look at my work and it's just like my old sculpture and stuff like that is, I don't even really think any of it's art, but it's, I'm more critical about what I've done in the past that other people have done. But what I will say is, is with, I'm much more critical about metal artists because I know so many of these guys are such full, they're so full of shit. Right. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people who like, they come in, they MIG weld something up. Maybe mm-hmm. their wire speed's too high. They got, you know, they got the the MIG wire yeah. cubes all over the place. Yeah. And then they're, you know, and then they're, they're passing it off as in there like David Smith or, right. or, you know, and it's just like, it's just this, you're trying to pass something off on something that, come on, man, I, I know what you did here. I know your wire speed was wrong. I know that that weld wasn't supposed to be like that for the sculpture. Now you've ruined the sculpture because you have all this, you have all this um, baggage and vocabulary that's ruining it for me. So I'm much, much tougher on the found object sculpture because I, sometimes I always think it's like, I know you're trying to pull one over on me too. Yeah. You know, you're trying to pull one over on me and I understand. You know, there's this thing about trying to like, 
you know, what you say about the guys trying to pull one over on you is I didn't want to. So, so the name Mount Phillip Metalworks with Metalworks separated was just a play on words. It was just like metal works, right? So like yeah. anything you get from me, whether it be tools or whatever, it works. Oh, That's it. That's it. I it had nothing met. to do with me welding and blacksmithing and all that. It was just the tools that I sold you were get, my metal shit would work. That's it. It was oh, just a play on words. Look at you. You know? Look at you. And so I didn't want to pigeonhole myself to this uh to, to blacksmithing, to welding, to fabrication. So people say, Oh, you do blacksmith work. I said, no, I just kind of, I do metal work. That's all I say. I don't want, I'm not the best fabricator. I'm not the best blacksmith. I'm very, very novice when it comes to blacksmithing. I'm still learning. I learn every freaking day I'm out there. You know, I don't, I don't claim to be anything. I'm just, I'm having a great time. I'm figuring things out. You know, I'm, I'll be 38 years old next month. And I, you know, I'm like still trying to figure out things, you know, I, think I don't, that's I don't normal. have to figure it out. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've given it. We've given you know. I, I think that if you know it all by the time you're 38, I think yeah. there's a problem. Yeah, I mean, me and you have had conversations. You're still, you're still, you know, bouncing around and trying to. This works, that works. You know, you got to figure out what doesn't work and what works and what makes you happy. Ultimately, just, right? just to let you know, in regards to how I see myself, mm-hmm. I usually refer to myself as human garbage, and the reason, <laughs> one of the reasons why. Love is that. because I love when you say one that. of the reasons why and it, it adds to it is is because when I was were uh, studying under Orihafi, he was you know, we were talking. He called me the cook because I was doing all the cooking at the Center for Mental mm-hmm. Arts, and he just called me the cook for a long time. And I was like, you know, so for a couple of years I was just the cook. So then I said, you ever gonna ask me my name? And he goes, yeah. What's your name? And he goes, I said Jeff. And he started laughing. I said, he goes, Jifa. I said, no, 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 Jifa, Jeff. And he goes, no, it's Jifa. And he's laughing, laughing, laughing. And I said, what's Jifa? And he says, it's it's the garbage on top of the sewage. But it's not just any sewage. It's the most, the most, the best part of the garbage in the sewage. And then he, he just called me Jifa for, for a while. Like basically just called me sewage. That's your garbage. Funny. And then he signed on my Hoffy Hammer. Uh, it was wonderful to see you, my friend garbage you know it was like so i've always you know like, what i think yuri hoffy was your father figure i think your dad was such a narcissist dude dude I, I got like I you got have like, said you have talked about your i know more about yuri hoffy from you than i know about your actual he's, father he's for sure he's for sure he's for sure he uh, he is definitely one of the father figures yeah. that I've definitely looked at. No question about it. You know, yeah, because like a, that story you told, you've told that story about five other times. Is it true? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what stories. Okay. He, he's definitely. You tell a lot of stories. It's definitely. It's it's for sure. We've had a lot of fun times, and there's definitely like, there's it's it it was he had a very he and I had a very he scolded me very hard. I, he and I aren't like you know we're not talking all the time. I mean, last time I talked to him was right before he was in the hospital. Yeah, but uh, he you know. I, yeah, I definitely look up to him. There's a few, you know, dudes that I've looked up to as father figures, and all, most of them have all let me down, which is perfect. Yeah. So I don't like. I just like. I've gotten to the point now. For about to turn 47, was I refuse? I don't like authority anymore. Like I don't want to be parented yeah. anymore. Yep. I've gotten to the point where don't tell I me don't. What the fuck to do. I don't like. I don't. Like, <laughs> I, I had a my my in laws who are fantastic. I mean, like my in laws are really great, and I've known there. them for quite some time. I kind of, I, I was talking to one of them, and I was just like, "Oh, look, it, look, I love you, but 
I just don't want to be parented anymore. Right. And they looked at me like with these big eyes. I'm like, I just don't want to be parented anymore. I'm not yeah. interested. I'm no interest in it anymore because I've been par- I was parented for my whole life by my father, my stepmother, both my all my sisters were older than me. Everyone's my mother. Everyone's telling me what to do. I'm just like, you know what? I don't, I've had it. I don't. Yeah. I'm not interested anymore. You know, I'm not interested anymore. And I'm going to do the best I can right now. And that's it. It's it. But I do have these. I do have. I do have father issues. There's no question about it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just a it's fucking. But you, but you, but you have taken all your childhood traumas and then you've made them your, you know, made your success from them. Yeah. They're like my, they're like my fucking strengths now, man. I, it's I, incredible. I talk to guys that have some, they had some fucked up childhoods and shit. And I'm like, man, you gotta just, everybody has something. You just gotta like turn it around. Yeah. And make it your your strengths, but, but it's but it but you but there's something in you that turned them into a strength. A lot of people would just kind of turn. Yeah, them into they their, shut down. Yeah, they're. they're you, I mean, between the food that, thing that and I know my the, wife is the, the between that happening, my wife's support. That's how everything has like just like rocket fueled me, man. I'm just like like let's go, you know. I I got control. My when my dad passed away, that that tore me up inside and like. You know, he worked his whole life and retired for two years. I, you know, I, he left when I was 10, but we, we became, re, like I said, we became reacquainted when I was 20. And we started developing a relationship that we never had. And then all of a sudden he's dead. You Who know? initiated that? What's that? Who initiated the My the wife. Rec- my wife. Your wife got yeah. you back together with him? Yeah, she she found him and, uh, you know, just searching Do online. you wonder why he didn't look look for you? It was a bad, it was a bad situation. When 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 I was younger, you know, there was some abuse going on. Oh no! So my mother and stuff like that. Oh. So it was one of those types of situations, you know. Alcohol, alcoholism was involved when he was, you know, when I was younger, and that you know separated there. But that's neither here nor there. But what happened was I became reacquainted with him, and um, you know, and then him all of a sudden dying, I was like, holy shit! This man worked his whole life. Granted, I didn't have a great relationship with him. But he worked his whole life, was retired for two years, and started enjoying his life. He would have been 54 the week he... No, he would have been 53 the week he died. Jesus, so young. 52 years old, he fell asleep and never, and didn't wake up. No underlying health issues that we knew of. Huh. Um, you know, there wasn't like... Not to get dark or anything. There wasn't, a, there wasn't an autopsy done, so we didn't figure out like what exactly happened. You know, he could have had an aneurysm or whatever. Who knows? But he was in his pajamas in bed. <laughs> Fell asleep, or he was actually at a conference for his current that for his job he got after, out of retirement, and um, fell asleep and didn't wake up at 52. And my brother calls me out of the blue and is like, "Dad's dead," at a weird time. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" And it tore me up, man. And I'm like, "You know what? I'm going to do my own thing." And this was like, you know, a couple years ago. And I was like, "I'm going to figure this shit out." And like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like waste my life working for somebody or. You know, something like that. So that kind of led to the whole journey that I'm on now, too, and everything. But you, but it so. gave you, but you got to forgive him. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was there was a couple, there was some times though that I, I think back, like I wish I would have, you know, stuff would have been better and circumstances would have been better. But you know, things but happen. That, and but being able to reconcile and only, yeah. I mean, not just yeah, you know, we did we did actually we did actually have that conversation. You know, there was apologies that were made and stuff like that. And, you know, I had for, forgave him, so to speak. And uh, and we moved on and stuff was getting better. And then he died. And then I was like, 
man, I gotta like get my shit together because because you never know, right? But that's like Nobody his. Fin- but that's almost like his finality. Yeah. You know, that's almost like he had he had kind of like clean the slate. Yeah. Yep. When my grandfather. It could have been. It could have been. Well, I tell, I'm telling you, my, 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 my brother always says, sorry to interrupt you. My no. brother always says that there was probably something wrong with him. He never told us, you know, something like that. He always yeah, but, but how would your wife know that? She's the one who got you back together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. I don't know. When my grandfather on my mother's side and my grandmother moved to a, a home, my grandfather was in pretty bad shape. They moved him to this place. It was a beautiful place. They set the, my my uh, grandmother up. They set my you know the, my grandfather up, and they moved in within a week. Everything was moved in. Everything was done, and he just he you could tell that he just said, "Okay, everyone's okay. Now I can go." Yeah. It was as if he had kind of like he's like, "Okay, now now I don't it's need time. to be here anymore. It's time." So yeah. there's definitely like there is a there is a kind of you know, poetic. I mean, you're very fortunate enough that you were able to kind of, at least even if it was only a couple of years, yeah. you had that degree of closure with him, you know? Yeah. Yep. But that, 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 again, that kind of like turned into a strength for me. I'm like, man, I'm going to go do what I want. I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to go, you know, travel the world or not travel the world, but you know, drive across country, meet different people and hang out and make a living out of this. And All right, it's working. So- it's so working. now, in terms of doing what you want, now I need to know yeah. about Roy Scott. Yeah. How did you get involved with Roy, who I think, I think is fantastic, and he is vintage Axe Works, and you and he have a podcast <laughs> called the Axe and Iron Podcast. Yeah. I need to know more about Roy Scott. Oh, me. How and did Roy, you meet Roy? Me and Roy just met because of um, uh, work ethic. We didn't. We did not know each other. You know how we found each other. I think Go we ahead. found each other through uh, the Explorer page or something. You know, like on Instagram. And he was like driving somewhere and picking up something, and that thing popped up, and I like clicked on it, and I started watching this guy, and I'm like, damn, he like does the same thing I do, but with axes. You know, he's like hustling and trying to figure it out. So we DM back and forth every every once in a while, and. Oh, what are you doing? You know, where are you going this weekend? What are you doing? Because we were kind of, you know, we we were both in the tool game. He was hustling axes, and I was hustling blacksmith tools. And he was a hard-working dude. And then eventually, we got in on a uh, we. I came up with a project that we should both be involved in, and it was kind of axe and metal related. So we did that project with red label abrasives and. Um, that was more bottle opener shit. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, we just kind of, I was like, hey, why don't you fly out to my shop and we'll work together for a couple of days and see how it goes. And he did that. And then we were friends ever since. And then you started the podcast. We started the podcast because he, <laughs> I don't care. He's not going to care that I tell the story. He got kicked off of another podcast. <laughs> and he got kicked off. Uh, why, why, why did he get kicked off? Because he loves to use the F word. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. So, I heard. Yeah, I heard it. I, I yeah. Heard it. He. Um, so, and it wasn't even. It wasn't even a kickoff. It was a. We'll record episodes and not even tell you we're recording them. That kind of thing. Ugh. So yeah, lame. so it was like he's like, "Hey, what's going on? What are we recording?" And come to find out, these guys had already started. It's neither here nor there. It's you know we've all moved on, and so we wanted to create this uh, 
you know, the the Axe and Iron podcast was just like, let's let's spotlight some people that we think are interesting and that are kind of like on our, having fun and with what they're doing and they, they don't, you know, they want to be themselves and have, have a good time. So we started doing the podcast and we're kind of involved in a couple other um, different projects together behind the scenes and Roy's a great guy and he's, he's my... He's my Ronnie, man. <laughs> nah, you mentioned that. For all, you Howard, for all you Howard Stern fans out there, we had this conversation, yeah. and Chris said that uh, Roy is the Ronnie Mund of the Axe Iron Podcast. Roy is Ronnie Mund. I, I'm not – you know what? I thought about it lately. I, after the after the two episodes I've heard of yours, I don't think so. I think, yeah. you, know, I think you give him enough who, credit. Who is he? He's not – I mean, he's not really I – mean, I wanted to think he was maybe Sal a little bit, but yeah. he's not because okay. he's, the, he's the guy behind – he's a little – I don't know, man. I – I, I I I tell you what the the episode with Leah was so great yeah. because I felt like there was a number one your interviewing style is my kind of style where you really learn about someone yeah and then you try to kind of like because when you did the uh, the I'm going back from the Leah episode to owners episode uh-huh. you propelled that podcast by going through stuff that you already knew that he had done and you were able to kind of like paint the picture beginning so you could kind of get into it without because i hate these origin story shows because it's like yeah sometimes they get so fucking slow but when you did with him was you had you had already established so much that it was very easy to you get into who he was which was bright yeah because that's what i like that's what genuinely interests me about somebody like i don't I don't, uh, you know, despite of what they're working on, because we've had people that run all over the place. Roy, Roy's had some, uh, you know, the, the knife guys on there, and I've had some sculpture guys, and we, we, like, each pick a guest and ask them if they're interested in being on, and I'm very interested in, like, what you don't know, right. you know? Well, I can like, tell. It, like, we had discussed, you are, you, you're on, you got a ton going on with podcasts, and me and Roy have talked about having you on. I'm like, what is he going to say? <laughs> we don't but that's the but that's the best part is we now yeah. we can get past the nonsense we can talk yeah. about whatever we want i'd love yep. to I, I it would be my honor anytime you want i'd love to you were the but number be, one requested person to have on it, here. which i swear i swear and i couldn't believe it because everybody has heard pretty much i mean the, if they're fans of full blast podcast right. if they're fans of knife talk everybody's heard jeff's stories but everybody wants to see roy and jeff Going, you know, just do the, it. You know, the main event. We could just talk about. I mean, the, just the funny, talking, just talking, we just talk about and it, having talking. fun. Yeah. See, that's the, the um, best part about the reason why you and I both love Howard Stern is because yeah. you know all the characters. Yep. And then you know how they're going to react, and then yeah. you submit in something that and allow them to react, and then you can react the way they react. I mean, I completely understand that. I mean, that's the one thing about this podcast is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get people to in, and then all of a sudden we've already established who they are. And then all of a sudden now we can start to fool around, you know, see you, I fucking came into this and we're like, yeah, we're just going to have a good time. I'm like, I'm not spilling my beans. Nobody fucking knows oh, no. about this me. Is, I got and more I'm out of you keeping than it that way. <laughs> I got more out of you than anybody. I, I was like, I'm keeping anybody. it that way. I've been on a lot of oh. podcasts and I've never told my story and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like the deep part of it and what really drives me and shit. But no, I, this was, this was cool. And, and I'm, you know, uh, for everybody out there listening, uh, we, me and I think I can speak for Jeff when I say this. We really appreciate you guys listening because anybody that wants to listen to our fucking nonsense is like, hey, you know. I, 
listen, I know I don't I don't like to usually here's my I don't like to listen to other people's podcasts because I get easily influenced as in you I know, know because yeah. because you Chris Chris knows when I've listened to certain Howard oh, certain episodes I because it comes fucking, right out. Yeah. You you will say something direct <laughs> from what the the episode that aired the day before I on Stern and I'm like that son of a bitch. I'm terrible. I'm so terrible. I'm terrible when it comes to that. But well, I try but, not to listen to other people's podcasts because I'm yeah. afraid of I'm afraid of the influence. But when I do listen to your podcast, usually I'm infuriated because I think to myself, he did such a fucking good job. I can't do anything more with this person. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and that's a compliment because like well, the, your own, the dies in every film I've been wanting to get him on, but it's like owner is such a, he's such an interesting character. Yeah. He's like, great. He's such an interesting character, but it's like, I can't, I, what can I do with him now? Cause like you did it all. Yeah. You know? No, I think there's still a lot more. No, you know, we we'll get them in. We'll get them in. We it's try fun. to keep it in. Uh, we try and keep them pretty tight to, to like under, you know, under an hour or exactly an hour. Some right. of them go over and some of them go under. But, I, you know, you, and, I was surprised at how much information you got out of that one hour with owner. That was really like you hit everything the, between yeah. the knives and the YouTube and then his time in war and then his MMA fighting. I mean, I was just like, how is this only in a one hour episode? I couldn't You know, he it. gave me one of the greatest uh one of the best compliments I've heard since we started doing this. And he said that he, he gets mad when an episode ends because he can't believe how fast it goes by. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, that's, that's kind of good, you know, no, because no, no. we only yeah. we want, we want people to keep wanting more and enjoy the, enjoy listening to us, but we're having fun. We're having a good time. Well, I love your podcast. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It infuriates me that I was talking. I'm kind of. I uh, talked a little bit to that Leah. Leah, I can't pronounce. Leah Arapach. She's a fascinating person because, yeah. as that that's an episode, another episode that's fantastic because, you know, her experience as a female metal worker. There's so much there that's just so fascinating. Her same thing with Alan Durkin and yep. and and I'm just I she was she was fantastic. She was I just think that Great. you I think that you bring it. I think that the host's job is to bring out the best in the guest. Yeah, and I think that you've done that every single time. I think people are picking up on the. Um kind of very very relaxed format we have because Roy does like zero editing and really a, yes it is a shoot from the hip uh from the start to go all the reads I do are live everything all the editing is That's non-existent it's just uh we just I just go and people's face when I start they're like oh we're going already That's the best. <laughs> it's like you know I'll do a read I'll do the intro let's go and I think that approach has just it's working for us because people like you know they have a good time with it and they can tell like me and Roy are having a good time so it kind of like gets them to have a good time but no well, that's the reason why you do such a good job because you only have an hour and yeah. I just know that when I'll have I've, I've only been talking to friends of mine recently yeah. just because I'm trying to create some type of chemistry yeah what happens is is I'll do a big wind up and then they're gonna get they're gonna they clam up for the first 25 minutes and I gotta yeah. warm them up so if you have an hour you have to like make that you have to gotta, make people comfortable right out going. of the shoot and that's yeah. why you call you call Roy dummy or you guys <laughs> yeah. like talk about your big heads and you start to yeah. pull around Roy, and then Roy, that, I, I have heard though it, there's there's uh, Roy needs to come up with some new material because the big head shit's getting old I've had a ton of people like, hey, <laughs> who said that Roy Who's did your wife say on, that <laughs> come on Roy we got to come up with some new material every you know it's like Chris has you from every angle and all you got to go say is go big fucking head man <laughs> <laughs> wow, no we're having a good time. And, and uh, again, I enjoy it. I'm glad everybody's enjoying it. And, 
you know, very much to, uh, the full blast thing is, uh, crazy cool. I know everybody's the two hour thing. I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, but it well, goes by, it goes by pretty fast. It's, it's, it's one of those things that like, I'm like, in my opinion, knife talk was the best when it was an hour and a half and you know, yeah. but you got to let things breathe and you gotta let things do what they got to do. And yeah, you know, it and depends. now it's like, and I don't want to turn, I don't want to turn you off right now. I mean, yeah. gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to turn you off soon, but I'm not going to yeah, turn you yeah. off right now. Yeah. 100%. But, but the, 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 the name full blast though, just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, uh, translate well into like their full, their life story. Man, when you first started this, I didn't you mean had, to. This you didn't, had the shirt. I know. I this know, wasn't going to be this. I know. I listened to the story, and then I was like, "Man, this is like people's life stories." I and didn't. We're getting I deep wanted it and... to be fucking funny, dude. I no, wanted it to be dick good. jokes and shit. But all of a huh? sudden, it's just like I also wanted to spotlight people and give them their best. Like Quentin yeah. Middleton. Quentin Middleton is a perfect example. He had never been on he, the podcast. He'd been on terrible. Yeah. You know, and I just wanted him to have something that he could like produce and say, oh, show it to his family. So yeah. then all of a sudden it became one of those things. Like, I want these people to feel like they can use this, <laughs> except for when Ariane comes on, when John comes on, I just want to fucking fool around, you know? Yeah. And like with Cliff and when all these guys, I want them to like feel that this is something that they can like send to their parents or something like that. Yeah. But it, you, originally this whole thing was supposed to be just me telling, telling dick jokes. Do whatever you want. And, yeah. Right? It's, 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 we're all good. It's yeah. all, it's all good. Having fun. Uh, I'm having fun. Yeah. You know, it's the knife talks fun too, but it's just like, I when I get the plunge lines all the time. It's just like, <laughs> it's just driving me fucking bananas. You know, that's why I have to like, and I have the ability to kind of like, you know, Craig is just such a great job, and all I have to do is just like sit back and if I find something and then just like say something outrageous and it allows me to to do that but this is like I'd rather just kind of you know talk to friends of mine and we'll see where it goes you know I, I'm having a good time I'm, the reviews have been good you know things are going to happen I got to work on some new sponsors but that's fine and 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 we're gonna you know we'll get this thing rolling you get manscape over here <sighs> That fucking, that fucking man's got. I'll do, I'll do. Listen, I told you, I said in the beginning, I'll dick pills, whatever you got, right. whatever you want, whatever you got. I'll, I'll, I'll flog it off. You off. guys did Manscape though, didn't you? Who did Manscape? We got Ma Manscape contacted us, and the, and 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 Craig was like, "You guys want to do this?" I'm like, "Yeah, it'll be funny." So they sent us the the, the kit yep. was. I mean, the same I'm kit not, we got, right? Yeah, same kit we yep. got. How good was that? Dude, <laughs> it's really nice. They go above and beyond. <laughs> the, I mean, the packaging alone yes. is like incredible. It's like it's like you know when you when you buy the the new iPhone and you open oh, it yeah. up and it's like. Shoo. Yeah, I was and and I I use it for my face now and it's yeah. and it's an awesome razor. I don't you know, who that, cares if I who cares if I you know trim filming, my balls or not. They're filming a Manscaped episode today actually as I'm in here doing that. That's, in, that's, in, that's where at our shop. Oh, look at you! Yeah, that's the that's the uh, next sponsor for the next build. I love that when you open the box and it says your balls will thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of funny I thought, jokes. I thought that was I thought that was good stuff. Well, but... when your balls thank you, let's I... get the full blast podcast. Some more sponsors, guys. I'll look at whatever. I'll, I'll, sell, I'll, sell, I'll sell you whatever you want. Don't worry about. <laughs> don't worry about that. Chris Cash ball cream and uh, <laughs> ball toner. <laughs> Chris Cash, you said it all. Perhaps you said too much. Isn't that an old that's, that was a Howard Stern movie? You got right? it. You got it. You pretty well nailed it right there. Mount underscore Philip underscore metal underscore works. Works. And the, the again, people, I'm not a I'm not like a I'm not a, a master blacksmith. I'm not a master fabricator oh, much. I'm just I'm just a guy having some fun and you're a you good know, dude. Making you're a, a good living dude. and if you and, don't go, go ahead. ahead. 
I was going to give you a plug, but go ahead. You oh, just, anybody that wants to reach out to me anytime, don't think I'm unapproachable. There's, this, you know, this. I could have got into this big long thing about all these unapproachable people when we were talking about egos and shit, because I had I had that happen to me, and uh, a long time ago when I was starting out, and you know, people become very unapproachable. But anybody can reach out to me anytime with questions. Don't don't call me with a million. How much is this worth? Shit, <laughs> I get tired of that. That that like drives me insane. Like Google it, you know, Google it, go somewhere. But I yeah, have, I think I've stopped doing that. Oh, sending people drives to drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. Don't do it. Chris Cash, you're the man. Go list guys, go follow Chris and go see, whatever he's doing, it's gonna be good. I guarantee you. <laughs> and then you know, it's true. Everything you do, the bottle openers, the dragon. No, no, bottle let's openers. stop advertising the bottle openers, please. All right, he don't want to do them anymore. He gonna do something else. He, he wants to he wants to talk about ball cream and razors and shit. <laughs> That's no, what his move is. You guys can catch me on uh, you know, the YouTube channel sometimes. If you're into YouTube, I know platforms don't uh cross each other very well, but you know, head over to the um, That Works YouTube channel. Matt and Ilya are filming all the time out in my shop, and sometimes I make appearances in those videos. And just like Jeff said, the Axe and Iron podcast, Instagram, reach there out anytime. Is. Jeff, thank you very much. Dude, thank you. You're my man. Yeah. You're my, we're going to do this again. I, I want to start to like, at some point, I want to start getting people to come back on again. And You have literally said that on every single episode. And it's you realize true. that if you, if you do that, you're going to have to repeat like your whole first season over again. I don't do so, seasons. Roy, I, I, you're, you're in a season right now, whether you know it or not. You're in a is season. Is that true? Sure, absolutely. Right. But me and Roy got an idea when he gets back from Montana that I think you're going to love. He, yeah. He's in Montana fly fishing and like, uh, he's on a two-week um, excursion with him and, and a buddy of his, oh. and they're hiking in the mountains of Montana, just fly fishing for two weeks. I love weeks. fly fishing. But we got this great idea that we're going to do for the podcast. Um, you know, you keep mentioning you're going to have people on. We are going to have people back on in a certain format that's going to be very entertaining, and um, it'll be worth listening to. There you but, go. Thank you Excellent. very much, Jeff. Thank go you. give Jeff. Go leave Jeff. Here, I'll do it for you. I'll do your outro. <laughs> okay, go right. leave Jeff a five-star review. There you go. Okay, go to iTunes. Leave him a five-star yeah. review. I'll do it in Jeff voice. It helps us go. We got to get stuff going here. You know, we got to get some filters. Whatever. Whatever makes you happy, okay? Listen to the Full Blast podcast. Go tell your friends. <laughs> Let's get the word out there. I love this. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. I love it. There you go. I, 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 people have told me you sound just like him too when I'm when I'm listening to fine, um, fine, and that's all there is to it. You want me to do a live read outro for the yeah? Go go set us out, get us out of here. And that's a wrap on the full blast podcast. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.